Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Howard Finkel's hairpiece. And I am Shane Lonnie Kai. Welcome to episode 113, WrestleMania 10. Ten years in the, in the making. making. Woo! Yeah, I mean, ten years in the, ten years in the making. <laughs> Is this the tenth anniversary it's the of tenth WrestleMania anniversary. 1? Yeah. <laughs> that was 85. This is 94, so. Crazy. Technically, it's. Yeah. 11 would be the 10th anniversary yeah. of WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you Sorry, know, you got to get that nice, company. clean, yeah, big that's number. That's what Starcade does. They always do. It's the 10th one, but it's the 11th anniversary. 11th <laughs> one, 10th anniversary. I was like, what? <laughs> WWE will have their moment down the line with I mean, their yeah, Vince... WrestleMania 2000 and the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. I mean, we Instead watched of WrestleMania 25. Yeah. We watched this year's and they don't even number them anymore. No. I don't know when they stopped that. At 30. Oh, really? He's like, that's ah, too old. It's like, <laughs> no, it's tradition. It makes it sound important. Uh, I remember I was wearing, like, anytime I, my dad always forgets, because I tell him every time, but every time I have, like, a new Japan t shirt on, everything always says, like, established 1972. And he's like, oh, 1972? Great. That's old. <laughs> like, that company's been around for a long time. I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess so. I guess they have. Almost 50 years. I know. Wow. So, like as we've said, this is the 10th annual WrestleMania produced by the WWF. It would take place on March 20th, 1994 from Madison Square Garden in New York City. I mean, could you really have it anywhere else? I mean, that's where the first one was. Yeah. I feel like you got to return to your roots. Madison Square Garden is like the WWF building oh, yeah. all through the like 80s. Yeah. That's their that's their spot. And the nineties. Yeah. And probably partway into the two thousands. I'm I yeah, I I'm trying to remember when Madison Square Garden kind of lost its I think the last big show luster. that I can remember is that Royal Rumble with Cena coming back. That's the last big show that I can think of at Madison Square Garden. Damn. The end of an era. But, but they can fit a few people in Madison Square Garden. Quite a few. How many? 18,065. Crazed. What was the first? Do we remember what the uh, first attendance was at Mania 1? Probably sold out. Whatever, probably whatever this one was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, Let's see. This is one of the shows where I got the buy rate, too. Oh, did you? Yeah, I said it on uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia deep diving. <laughs> 420,000. Buy rate. That means people that bought it. Four hundred twenty thousand people. Uh, I never. Yeah. WrestleMania one attendance nineteen thousand one hundred twenty-one. I can't even sell the place. Oh man, you know that these numbers are made up anyway. What? Like, can we count the staff? Can we count the staff and the guys taking yeah. tickets? They were in attendance. Mm-hmm. They were there. Security's there. Yep. It doesn't say paid attendance. It mm-hmm. just says attendance. Like Cindy Lauper counts. Even though she didn't she's pay. Just on a flashback. Yeah. That's right. Oh, I guess she's not here. She's a flashback. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Jenny Garth counts then. There we go. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry. 
I popped. <laughs> I popped for Denny Garth, not so much for Donnie Wahlberg. Oh, did you now? <laughs> well, not like that. I had, my, <laughs> I, had, I had my pants on while watching WrestleMania 10. But is the food that you brought this week from New York City any good? That remains to be seen because I have not taken a bite yet. Yeah. Nice little segue to the culinary trip around the globe. Back in New York, we've had quite a few trips there. We've done sandwiches. We've done desserts. We've done lots of stuff to the point that it's getting a little ridiculously difficult to figure stuff out. However, we have not done New York-style pizza so, boom, New York-style pizza from my friends over at uh, Empire Slice House, located over here in Nichols Hills. Um, it's a big, monstrous triangle of pepperoni pizza. But then I also got some uh, meatballs to accompany it because, you know, it's New York. Meatball sub, meatballs in general uh, are just delicious. And these ones kind of had a wrestling theme name to them. Uh, they were known as Andres. So, yeah. Sprinkle him in, just like a little flashback to uh, all the manias, past, present, and future. Do you know if they're named after Andre the Giant? Because I know that they named... Originally, they did, because it used to be one giant meatball, and it was Uh, just called Andre the Giant Meatball. Okay, because I know they do like the the cute names uh, at their restaurant. Yeah. Uh, I think it became too difficult to prepare, just because of how big it was. Bake it Um, forever. Yeah, they'd have to take too long cooking it, and this way they can get it done in about 10-ish minutes. Meatballs, beef and pork, nicely seasoned, doused in marinara, sprinkled in parmesan. I think there was some some basil up in them yeah, too. Yeah, a little bit. Of I already ate mine. Yeah, I sat here playing on my phone, looking stuff up. So mine are nice and cold, but they're still pretty fucking delicious. <laughs> they are very delicious. And while Shane continues to chop away on his pizza and meatballs, mm-hmm. something that would happen right around the same time as WrestleMania ten. The 66th Academy Awards would be the next day, awarding Best Picture to Schindler's List, along with six other awards. Never seen Schindler's List. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, I don't know why. I think when it it came out, I was a little kid. My parents weren't going to have me watch this, you know, in 1994, probably. They're probably like, this is a little heavy for for a kid. But I just never, uh, never got, I haven't got around to it. I always think about the episode of Seinfeld where Jerry goes to see Schindler's List with his girlfriend and they just make out the whole time and then it gets <laughs> back to his parents and they're appalled. <laughs> no, uh, I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm big into all of the movies and everything of the 90s. I was big into the Academy Awards and everything from back then. But Schindler's List, it was, it was too, too, well, I say it was too serious and everything for me, but I was also big into some of the other movies that were out at the time yeah philadelphia was out at that time the fugitive i mean fucking yeah i'll say it the piano i've seen with holly hunter i haven't seen the piano but i've seen the other two i've always i've been meaning i almost watched the piano the other day because i love holly hunter philadelphia wasn't up for best no, picture it wasn't this year. up for best picture no um what's love got to do with it should have been but it was not <laughs> <laughs> i'm still as much as I love that Holly Hunter won the Oscar for uh, The Piano, I still think Angela Bassett was robbed to not even be nominated and win because there is no other Tina Turner other than Tina Turner other than Angela Bassett. So that's that's my feelings on the uh, the 66th Annual Academy Awards. So, But you've seen Schindler's List, right? I have not watched the oh, entire really? thing. Really? It was like, oh, I've this seen is, bits and pieces of it on much. TV, but yeah. 
well, that was back also when I want... had issues watching black and white movies. Oh, yeah. It was like reading a book to me, and it just they like... put me to sleep. <laughs> the, uh... Yeah, I guess we could all get bummed, really bummed out after this. Watch Schindler's <laughs> List. <laughs> but I think uh, that's a movie that I'll, I'll watch on my own when I'm not, uh, yeah, when I make sure I'm in a good headspace. <laughs> so that's probably why I haven't seen it. This is, you know, some movies you got to know that you're, what you're getting into is a real big bummer. And I can't imagine that Schindler's List is the most fun movie. <laughs> I mean, it had a great cast. And, you know, I'm sure it's good. Fucking Spielberg. If you, if you find it to be fun, you've you, got a problem. You, you're probably not the kind of people that we really <laughs> want to be hanging out with. Happen. Yeah, there's a t-shirt uh, for somewhere sure. for you. Yeah, well, I won't be purchasing it, <laughs> but I'll put Schindler's List on the short list. Maybe I don't know. I don't know when I'll watch. I'll watch it one day. You got to save the classics. Spread them out. Sometimes you got to watch Weird Science. Can't, they can't all be Schindler's List. Sometimes it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you have to watch that thing you do like I did the other day. Mm. All right. Well, let's talk some WrestleMania. Yeah. The logo comes on the screen before going to highlights of the first WrestleMania. Very, like, sitcom clip show vibes. <laughs> we get Liberace dancing with the Radio City Music Hall girls. Andre body slamming Big John Stud. Muhammad Ali is the special guest referee, and Cindy Lauper leading Wendy Ricker out to the ring. Iconic. We have bagpipers, Billy Martin, Hogan, and Mr. T having their hand raised, which we covered all the way back in episode three. Vince McMahon then welcomes us to the show from inside the ring, and he introduces little Richard to sing America the Beautiful. Are you sure? We all had to double check to make sure it wasn't trying to do that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, did, uh, did, he get a, did he get a new contract? Yeah, I mean, come on. You gotta go big for ten. Exactly. Little Richard in there. I mean, hell. It, it started with... Who was there first? Was it Liberace? Or was it Aretha Franklin? I'm trying to remember when Aretha popped up on there. Aretha, I think, was three, three or four. I think okay. she's Detroit. Okay. So yeah, maybe it was just Little Richard that was the musical guest of Mania 1. Yeah, we've got uh, Little Richard. We've got we got the stock footage of America. <laughs> you gotta have <laughs> the stock always, footage of America. That they always like to show. Mm-hmm. I love that they the choir comes in. I do too. The choir was really good. Actually. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Honestly, I was, anything that drowned out Little Richard was kind of good. I mean, when it first started, I was <laughs> hey, like, oh, it's just Richard's a generic great. version of America the Beautiful, and then and then the choir, the choir came comes in, in. I was like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. I like that I'm he says, uh, "God done shed." I like that part. I like that part. I was like, hell yeah. But he's having fun with it. God don't shed his grace on thee. I mean, yo, I'll take this over Aaron Neville any day. Hell yeah. <laughs> Aaron, that's so good. That's a very good Aaron Neville. Maybe you should, that should be your karaoke jam whenever, uh, whenever uh, bars are, you know, you can be comfortable in them again. I've never actually done an Aaron Neville uh, karaoke night. You have to know one of the songs well enough. That's the hard part. Uh, I mean, you just have to know the melody of it. You don't really need to know the words, because... I guess you, you could, uh, to... you could uh, find a partner and do the Gloria Stefan song. Or is it Gloria Stefan and him? No, it's Linda Ronstadt. Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. The I Don't Know Much. Mm-hmm. Yep. We then get Vince at ringside, and he introduces his commentary partner, Jerry the King Lawler. Aw, Jerry. Is it crazy that he has first commentary that we see of him is it wrestlemania 10 and he is still working for the company yeah 
still doing the same shtick today I mean, that he did back then. <laughs> everybody else jumped ship, I guess. Like, you know, we don't have... Uh, Either that or everybody else just stopped kissing ass as no, well. No, Bobby. I mean, I guess JR's over here, but can JR really handle the king yet? Probably not. <laughs> and he got corny there eventually, you know. Oh, yeah. Doing stuff on the show, but I think he would have been good. McMahon tells us that Bret Hart will be in the last match of the night, but he's also in the first one. Ooh. I know, isn't that great? Isn't that great for us? I think so. <laughs> so, a little backstory here. We all remember Lex Luger and the Hitman going out of the ring at the same time at the Royal Rumble. After that, President Jack Tunney would make the decision that both men would get a title shot at WrestleMania. There was a coin toss to determine who would face Yokozuna first. And whoever won that only had to wrestle one time on the card unless they won the match, basically. Yeah. But to make it even for Yokozuna, the person who got to wrestling second had to wrestle another match on the show. A little convoluted, but it makes some sense. Obviously, Lex ended up winning the coin toss, and that's why Brett has to two matches, the first and the last match. I'm glad that he won this coin toss. <laughs> Vincent sends us to a video package where we see at Survivor Series 93, Owen Hart's running the ropes, only to run into Bret Hart on the apron, sending the hitman into the guardrail and causing the distraction, leading to the rocket being pinned, who then whines about it after the match. Gotta tease that split. Owen challenges Brett on an episode of Superstars a few weeks later, but Brett says he will never face his brother. Of course not. Before they reunite to challenge for the tag team belts. And then at the Royal Rumble, Hitman doesn't make the tag during the match, causing them to lose. And the Rocket kicks the leg out from under his leg. I know, Brett was trying to prove the match. Yeah, Brett was trying to prove some stuff. He's like... You know, I got this. Don't worry, little brother. Then you got Owen in the background afterwards. Yeah. Should have tagged me. Why didn't he tag me? That's what you get for big manning. On the march to WrestleMania, Owen has more comments where he whines even more about Brett holding him down. We then have a new ring announcer, Bill Dunn. Ooh. Howard Finkel had actually been away uh, having surgery and other things done, which we'll see later. <laughs> and so they were like, hey, Bill, you've done a good job. We'll let you... Yeah, you've been killing it at the house shows. Yeah. We'll let you be the re-announcer for a couple matches here. So he's the re-announcer here for this first match, which is The Rocket, Owen Hart, versus the hitman, Bret Hart. I love the X doors. The ten, like the Roman numeral doors yes. that uh, slide open for everybody's entrance. Such a nice little touch. And then black and gold yes. for 10. It's like, oh, such a, so keep it clean. It's and good. the, uh, even the, the guardrails going down. Oh, they, yeah. they got rid of the generic black or baby blue color. And uh-huh. these ones were kind of gold or bronze or, or whatever. So yeah, they fancied it nice, up a little bit. Nice touch of class. But guess who's out making fun of his brother already? Owen Hart's in the Bret Hart glasses. Hmm? But instead of putting them on a kid, he just rips them apart. <sighs> Boy. I know. 
I wanted to do that so many times when I was a teenager. <laughs> My nephew was a huge Bret Hart fan. Oh, yeah. And I got sick of those glasses, so yeah. Yeah. There was very, very, very many times that I just wanted to shred the hell out of them. <laughs> so the match gets going with Owen immediately hitting a fireman's carry takedown. But the hitman counters into a head scissors. The two brothers trade takedowns when Brett tosses the rocket through the ropes to the floor, only for Owen to slide back in and smack the hitman across the face. Give him personal. I mean, it can't get any more personal than this, right? They're brothers. The two then trade wrist locks, head locks, and arm bars until Brett hits a monkey flip and a clothesline to send the rocket out to the floor. But the hitman follows out to toss Owen back in and smack him across the face before rolling him up for a two count. Brett comes off the ropes with a crucifix for a two count. Again hits the ropes, only to run into a spinning heel kick from the rocket, sending Hitman rolling out to the floor. Owen goes out after him, ramming him into the ring post, and back inside they go, where the rocket continues with a hard Irish whip, a backbreaker, and sets up a camel clutch, only for the Hitman to escape, but ends up running into a belly-to-belly. For a two count. And like Owen's already teased going going just leaving already after he got a little sour on that on that first uh, toss to the mat. Owen's Irish whip is reversed, so he springboards off the second rope into a crossbody, only for Brett to roll through for a near fall. The rocket goes back on offense, slowing it down with a reverse chin lock before going for a body slam. But a reversal of weight causes the hitman to fall on top for a two count before being sent to the outside on the kickout. See, what I love, too, during you know these few minutes of the match here, or throughout this beginning part of the match, I have to say, every now and then Owen reaches up, grabs a handful of hair. Oh, yeah. You know, even though Rep is in, in plain sight, you know, it's, it's basically it's uh, a beautiful show of brotherly fighting right there. Yeah. Um, fuck you, I'm going to reach up and pull your hair. Because yeah, just antagonistic. <laughs> Owen tries to bring Brett in with a vertical suplex, only for the hitman to flip over to counter. But the rocket counters as well to hit a bridging German suplex for a near fall. Beautiful suplex. Owen with a leg drop, headbutt, goes for another suplex, but Brett blocks and counters with a small package for a two count. The rocket is sent to the ropes, where the hitman goes for a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker, only for Owen to reverse it into a tombstone pile driver. Okay. Climbs to the top rope, coming off with a splash, but Brett moves in time. And this is wrestling, guys. The uh, he even I love that before the pile driver reverse, he had already like worked the neck in the back of Brett. So it's like ah, you know, if these two guys can't have a match that uh, makes sense in the ring, like what a, what, what hope do we have? Yes, <laughs> and uh, they're killing it here. Hitman with an inverted atomic drop. Clothesline, Russian leg sweep for a two count, followed by a second rope elbow drop and a backbreaker. But the Rocket turns the tide with an Inseguri and attempts the sharpshooter, only for Brett to counter to try one of his own, which Owen just rolls out of. The Rocket's up with a roll up for a two count, but the kickout sends him out to the floor, where the Hitman follows out with a plancha onto Owen. Slingshot style, baby. Only to hurt his knee. You know what Bret Hart can do. It's the same knee he hurt at the Royal Rumble. Mm -hmm. Better than most people. Sell. Sell a knee. Back in the ring, the Rocket sees the Hitman favoring the leg and goes right to work on it. 
even wrapping it around the ring post several times. Owen with a dragon screw leg whip before applying an inverted figure four, only to let it go to drop a knee. Hits another dragon screw before locking on a traditional figure four. But Brett is able to turn it over after a few moments, and the two end up rolling to the ropes to break the hold. The rocket gets back to his feet and starts working the leg once again, only for Brett to fire back with an enziguri, a headbutt, and a hard Irish whip, sending Owen chest first into the corner. It was uh, Owen's turn to take the chest bump into the corner. Heart style, Mm -hmm. turnbuckle blast. The the heart family trick. (laughs) The hitman with a leg drop, a bulldog, and a pile driver, all for two counts, before setting the rocket on the top rope and delivers a top rope superplex for a near fall. Brett stays on the attack with European uppercuts and a sleeper, only for Owen to escape after a low blow and locks on the sharpshooter. Oh, no. The hitman powers out to counter into a sharpshooter of his own, but the rocket makes the ropes to break the hold. Brett is then whipped to the corner, and Owen charges right into a big boot. So the hitman climbs up to the turnbuckle, goes for a victory roll, but the rocket just sits down on Brett's shoulders for the pin and the win. We might not have sounded super excited, but we're just seeing it all in our heads as Matt went through it. But, you know, this is the shit we wait for all the time. Yes. This is one of those WrestleMania matches that you could rewind and rewatch and rewind and rewatch and rewind and rewatch and and just fill up the entire space of a WrestleMania watching the same match over and over again and still be okay. (laughs) I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's like, oh, if you like, yeah, if you go to like sign up for wrestling school and like, you're like, oh, I haven't seen this match. They'll be like, all right, well come back when you have yeah. <laughs> because uh they they just kind of do First lessons free yeah they do everything right they sell everything right everything makes sense they sell the superplex correctly thank god of course they did but i mean that's one i get tired of it's like no nobody gets a it's like you got you, the other guy hurt his head yeah that's how it worked wherever Stu hart was watching this match from i hope he was very 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 proud yeah he probably was like slow down but uh, <laughs> that's uh, what other criticism could he have he's older todd pettengill catches up with owen hart in the back and i really needed someone <laughs> to tell him about the big gob of spit that was on his mouth before you do an interview oh, anybody what to- who todd no or oh, owen. No, oh, owen. No. oh yeah like yeah it was gross huge gross thing. he uh you know he just worked hard Owen says, all out there. I beat you, and now I'll get the recognition I deserve. And then Todd sends us to a Coliseum video WrestleMania moment. Ooh. And we see highlights of WrestleMania 2 with Ray Charles and the NFL WWF Battle Royal. I forgot about that until I saw this clip. I guess because it was the NFL Battle Royal. Which we covered in episode 7, so you can go back and listen to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure I was like, Matt. Who's that guy? William the Refrigerator Perry. Yeah, that's the it's only really one I remember. I remember. I was like, it's like the fridge, right? The fridge was there, right? Like Bret Hart was there, I think. Yeah. Bret right, was, right next Bret to was in yeah. that match. Yeah, right next to the anvil, I'd imagine. <laughs> yes. We get Bill Dunn back in the ring making an announcement. Not only is he the president of the Hair Club for Men, he's also a client. Please welcome Cy Sperling. Oh, Cy. The good old days of Cy Sperling on your TV. Was that like an infomercial? Yes. Okay, I don't remember it particularly well. I, I don't remember him. I remember the hair club for men. 
vaguely. But. Yeah, before uh, Ronco peel and the Ronco food dehydrator and mm. the Ronco spray hair and all the what other What about Ronco this uh, set it and forget it? The, the like chicken cooker rotisserie Oh, yeah. Thing? Long, yeah, long before good. the days of those, you had Cy Sperling on there selling not only hair, but the fact that he was a member. Oh. Or a client, I should yes. say. Cy then introduces his newest creation. Oh, my gosh. Howard Finkel. Ooh. And the Fink has a full head of hair and asks the crowd what they think. <laughs> That's some surgery. It looks okay. Yeah. Oh, like, you know, yeah. oh, uh, you could hear that my voice kind of, I wasn't sure about it. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's very reminiscent of old size hairdo himself so oh. i'm starting to wonder if there was just that one style Cy brought his uh his his bonus toupee yes his, his look uh, like you're the extra one of the company and also a client <laughs> get the sigh but howard takes over the ring announcing for our second match bam bam bigelow and luna vachon versus the clowns of doink and dink in a mixed tag team match and since the last time we discussed Luna Vachon, she has been inducted into the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. Ooh, I did not know this. Well, I know her dad is Mad Dog Vachon. Yes. Does she have a brother that was a famous wrestler too? Or were they all just kind of like, Sheeta kind of was the most, the biggest she's in really the family? The most famous out of her entire family. Yeah, the most prominent. I mean, she. The most well known to the masses i should say yeah like on and off in this company for at least the next like six to eight years probably something like that wait till we get to the oddities (laughs) yeah 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 i can well you're gonna have to so (laughs) you have plenty of time to prepare yourself but doink sprays spurling with his water flower bigelow attacks at the bell with a shoulder block a drop kick and a body slam to set up for a leg drop. But Doink rolls out of the way and starts working the arm, only for Bam Bam to rake the eyes to escape and try for an elbow drop, which Doink avoids as well. Bam Bam just can't get him. Fast clown. The clown's tag, which forces Luna into the ring, where Dink smacks Vashon on the ass, but she responds with a swift kick to the rear and a body guillotine. <laughs> and just so we know... Dink is a little person, and uh, Luna is Luna Vasan. She's a, a lady, so it's you know, yes. it's a mixed tag. But put the little guy in with uh, the lady. But as Vince points out at one point, Dink is a professional wrestler. Mm, yeah, I'm sure that. So is Luna Vasan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, Dink probably has been on a WrestleMania uh, a decade ago. Is one... Oh, he wasn't he one, of the, one of the minis. Oh, okay. He was related to one, one of, of them. them. Okay, but he is not one of one of them. Nepotism. Geez. <laughs> hey man, there's not a whole lot of options. <laughs> Luna goes for another body guillotine, but Dink moves out of the way and follows up with an elbow drop for a two count. I love how Luna's pissed. She's having a good time in there. Dink just starts running around Bashan, where she kicks him in the gut and goes for an elbow drop. But Dink again moves to avoid and heads up to the top rope, coming off only for Luna to have moved. Bashan with a series of back rakes body slam and goes to the top rope for a splash attempt of her own but again dink moves to avoid bigelow and doink are tagged in with the clown hitting a drop toe hold and a shoulder block 
only for Bam Bam to come back with a clothesline, sending Doink over the ropes to the floor. I know, and um, Jerry Lawler's like, oh, you got to be careful. There could be more dinks under that ring. And Mrs. Man just goes, no. <laughs> like, he's just like, yeah, anything but that. Either that or he just wanted to let us know that he was done with multiple doinks. <laughs> you can have a doink and you can have a dink, but you can only have one doink. That's right. Dink comes into the ring, and Bigelow and Luna both charge at him. But he escapes as Doink climbs back into the ring with a sunset flip, only for Bam Bam to just sit down on him. Bigelow charges into a corner, but receives a big boot from Doink, followed by a DDT, and the clown climbs to the top rope, but misses the whoopee cushion. Bam Bam fires up with several clotheslines, goes to go off the top ropes for another, but ends up crashing into Dink, knocking him off the apron which allows Doink to go for a back suplex, only for Bigelow to land on top. You gotta be careful. You gotta be confident if you're gonna try to slam a man that big. Yeah. Bam Bam hits multiple falling headbutts before going up to the top, coming off with a diving headbutt. For the pin. And and the the win. Post-match, Dink comes back into the ring to stand up to Bigelow. Only for Luna to kick him from behind and hit a body slam. <laughs> followed up by a double team falling headbutt that Dink at least rolls out of the way of. <laughs> we would have smashed his melon. Kinda. Doink is up and starts going after Vashon, just for her to roll out of the ring and head to the back. It was fun. Fun like way to a fun second match for WrestleMania. It's yeah. like, alright. We went heavy and technical. Let's go light and fun. Luna is a great performer, very entertaining. And then you've got Goofy Doink and Dink for the laughs. Uh, it just Dink. It it made me nervous every time that I saw him get manhandled by one of them, just because <laughs> of how he positions himself or becomes dead weight when somebody else puts their hands on him to where it looks like they're just throwing, you know. Throwing him around literally like a rag doll or a small child. He's okay, though. Oh, yeah. He was good. He's a professional. Yeah. He's he's a trained professional at this. Hail to the Chief starts playing, and we have a Bill Clinton impersonator in President Jack Tunney's box. Oh, and I was like, oh, nice. it's uh, Daryl Hammond, but it's not Daryl Hammond. I was hoping <laughs> not it was Daryl <laughs> Is Daryl Hammond, like, the best... Best Bill, Bill Clinton, Be- or I guess yeah, yeah Phil, Daryl Hammond, yeah. Daryl Hammond, and Phil Hartman were were great. But like, the just best. as far as like SNL president presidential like impersonators, because they're all pretty bad, with the exception of those two guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say it here. Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump is terrible. But it's... it was purposely terrible. Yeah. I'm sure it was, but it sucked. Okay. It was award winning though. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. He won. Yeah, he won the uh, supporting actor Emmy for his. <laughs> Features on Saturday Night Live playing the orange troll himself. Uh, and that's why awards are silly. <laughs> Vincent sends us to another Coliseum video WrestleMania moment. Looking back at WrestleMania 3. And we see 93,173 fans in the Pontiac Silverdome to see Hogan versus Andre. Yeah, it's like, okay, well... Probably not going to get that again <laughs> like for a real long time because yeah, that was like an attraction and Vince basically turns takes the turns the attraction into the name of the company, which was his whole plan all along. But that early, you know, Hogan Andre, whole different thing. But you can hear us talk about that in episode 11. 
But we then go to our third match. Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. I know, I was so excited. Versus Crush with Mr. Fuji in a Falls Count Anywhere match. It's like they they reel me in with the Randy Savage has got a match at WrestleMania. And then they bring out Crush for the flat. Randy Savage could have a match with a fucking broom handle. He could, but he deserves to have... <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. It was sad that, to know, like, you know, how there was still there's, still... there's still steam in this train, and we're wasting it on Crush. Crush, But yeah. Brandy always, with the incredible outfits, the black and white checkers, all sparkly. Oh, Crush. He's like the, the living version of that scene in Big Daddy where What's-Her-Face talks about we wasted the good surprise on you. <laughs> That's Crush. <laughs> so the rules of this match are that falls don't really count inside the ring. Yeah. But once someone is pinned, they must return to the ring within 60 seconds. Yeah, so Randy pins Crush, goes back to the ring. Once he's in the ring, they count 60 seconds? Or do they 60 seconds after he pins him? After he pins him. Okay, to get back, for Crush to get back in there. Yeah. It's a little weird. Is this a thing that... A, a match style that I'm just not familiar with. I mean, it's the first time I think we've seen it. So. And maybe the last? Yeah, Probably um, not. Probably with these these specific rules, I'm yes. hoping yeah. it, it was a stipulation of Savage saying, fuck no, I'm not letting him pin me in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that for you, brother. Nope. So Savage attacks Crush in the aisle, but it is quickly countered into an atomic drop and a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. The Hawaiian then hits a press slam on the guardrail that gets him a three count. The not-so-rubber band slam. So Macho has 60 seconds to get into the ring. And as Savage finally makes his way in, Fuji gives him a shot with the Japanese flag. So Macho ends up only making it into the ring with two seconds remaining. Crush stays on the attack, placing Savage in a tree of woe, working the midsection until the ref attempts to get Macho free. And Mr. Fuji then gives Crush a handful of salt. But Savage hits the Hawaiian, sending the salt into his eyes. Oh my gosh. So Macho takes advantage with running elbow and a top rope double axe handle. Body slam that sets up the Savage elbow. And Macho rolls Crush to the floor to make the pin at ringside. It's too close, man. Fuji grabs a pitcher of water, pouring it on the face of the Hawaiian to wake him up. Helping Crush make it back in the ring with two seconds to spare. Savage then starts choking the Hawaiian on the top rope, but charges into a backdrop that sends Macho out to the floor. Crush follows out and delivers a headbutt and tries to ram Savage's head into the ring post, but it is blocked and reversed by Macho. Take that, Crush. Savage continues by sending the Hawaiian into the ring steps and clotheslining him over the guardrail into the crowd. You gotta have a crowd spot if we're doing um, false count. Crush hits a thrust kick and goes for a pile driver, only for Macho to counter with a backdrop, followed by slamming the Hawaiian's head into walls and doors leading to the backstage area. It would have been great if he would put his head between the um, sliding X doors. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're not that brutal yet. But this does have a this does go somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Savage makes a pin, then finds a cable that is laying around, tying Crush up by his feet. Yeah, they like he like pins him in between like um 
I don't, I can't think of the term, but like, just like, yeah, like a metal scaffolding tower type of, type of setup. Mm-hmm. Conveniently right on the other side of the doors. Hangs him upside down to prevent the Hawaiian from making it back to the ring. Mm-hmm. Hanging by his toes. Macho makes it back to the ring where Mr. Fuji attacks him, but Savage takes care of him quickly as the countdown hits zero. I lo- Did you see where uh, he's like, pulls him up and he like just tying the rope off on a piece of metal and it looks he like almost drops crush and i was like no that's concrete so macho man randy savage is your winner i mean we wouldn't have it any other way no macho is not at the point of doing a job for crush there's plenty other people that like i'd be like okay that's fine he's Get like you know, you know, Macho would would easily do the job for uh, Bret Hart or oh, yeah. somebody, but Crush putting over the you know, stars of the future. I'm all for it. Yeah. Don't put over Crush because Crush is the tall yeah. guy that stands next to Yokozuna. Crush right ruined demolition. I'll never forgive him for that. <laughs> demolition <laughs> gone too soon. Yep. You could also blame them bringing in LOD for no reason. I mean, not no reason, but they didn't do anything with him. No. We then go back to the presidential box where Todd Pettengale is there, and he asks the Clinton impersonator if he's enjoying the show. He then asks IRS why he is there, as he was like right behind him. Yeah, I was like, why is IRS there? I was like, oh, duh, we're about to get into something. Shyster congratulates the impersonator on raising taxes. Oh. I don't, I mean, I guess it's just Vince McMahon brain, but like nobody cares about like million dollar man great idea but tax collector guy i know we've talked about this a lot but like who is this joke for i mean the evil tax man was a, a big figure back Everyone in the day hates taxes man yeah, yeah but there's mostly like, children watching this yeah but their their parents are the ones that are oh uh, yeah ordering the wrestlemania mm-hmm. I, I used to work for a guy who spent 25 years working for the irs before he decided to give it up and open a franchise of quiznos and I heard some horror stories about oh, really? uh, the stuff that he had gone through, and just for anybody listening who is in the uh, tax business, learn about restaurants before you decide to buy a franchise, because <laughs> you aren't always going to be lucky enough to stumble upon a 21-year-old with a huge work ethic that wants to help you succeed. And maybe um, something better than a quiz nose. Oh, yeah. I don't know if those are still was, around. No. It was it was the hot thing at the time. You know, Tulsa mm-hmm. had one by the time I moved there. Yeah. What if, what if we toasted a sandwich? <laughs> it's so crazy. It just might work. Pettengill then sends us to some highlights of Fan Fest. We see Doink in a dunk tank, ring set up with the ref counting a three count for a pair of kids. And Hillbilly Jill and Jim's there. Hillbilly Jim's giving autographs, smoking guns, taking pictures. You can call a match. That would be awesome. I like that part a lot. They did the little kid sumos stuff. Sumo, is there an action figure display? My favorite was the huge casket. Take a photo with Paul Bearer in a large casket. <laughs> it was so good. It looks like a blast, right? It's like a WrestleMania WWF carnival yep. uh, inside of probably like, you know, a, the base of a hotel or something. It looked awesome. Yeah, Billy Jim was the shit back then. As I mean, far this as is your first, yeah. first, their first thought of like access. Yeah. Like, which is like a whole week-long thing but this looks even cooler there's a dunk tank you guys remember dunk tanks oh yeah man i feel like dunk tanks especially especially doink in a dunk yeah a a doink doink tank if you will vince then sends us to savage celebrating in the paramount theater 
which is part of Madison Square Garden. Yeah, he's like next door where they're like basically have like a runoff. They're watching the they're show. They're watching the show on closed circuit TV, and he goes over there and basically cuts a promo for them. Yeah, it's awesome. We then get another Coliseum video, WrestleMania moment, covering WrestleMania 4. And we see Macho making his way through his four opponents on the evening to become champion. Ooh. Uh, such great times. Yep. I miss those days. And you can hear us talk all about that in episode 18. If Hogan just, like, I don't know, got, like, hurt or, like, quit wrestling early and was like, I'm just not going to do this anymore or became, like, an action star or something. We could have had maybe, like, ten years of Macho Man on top. How could cool have. How cool would have that been? Instead, we got, like, eight and a half months. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Every time, like, those first uh, handful of years we went through, there's nothing more than I wanted for Randy to have the strap. Yeah. I mean, and anytime it happened, it was great. But he does. He also doesn't need it. No. But But I want him to have it more than anyone else. He did very well for himself after after that, you know, even through his retirement match and reemergence into the ring. And all that slim gym money, guys. Damn right. Look at the look at the fringe he can buy. Oh with yeah. all that slim gym money. We then go to our fourth match. Leilani Kai versus Alundra Blaze for the WWF women's championship. Been a while since we've seen some women's championships. I know. Mania. Specifically, it was WrestleMania 2. I know. Wow. Episode 7. I guess we had some women's tag matches, but I don't even know if those were on WrestleMania, but... We had Rock and Robin sing the America the Beautiful or something on WrestleMania but 5. But was Leilani Kai on in WrestleMania 2? She was in 1, I remember. Yeah, she was on 1. Okay. But the last time we did see her was Royal Rumble 1988 in one of those tag matches that you were talking about with the jumping bomb angels. And that was episode 16. And of course, Alundra Blaze is Medusa. Yeah, of course it's Medusa. Who we literally just saw confronting Sherry a few episodes ago in ECW. She had won the title the previous December, where the only match of the entire tournament was shown on... All American wrestling. Yeah. Oh. And yeah, Alundra Blaze. It's like, whoa, what the a name. She's Medusa, but I mean, whatever. You got to give her a new name here. But she, they give her Pyro, so you know, they mean business this week with Alundra Blaze. From being underneath Greg Valentine to the top of the wrestling world. Look at our girl go. <laughs> well, now she's. Uh, I mean, I. I don't know if it's the top, but uh, she's on top of the monster truck, truck world. So the match gets going, and a leg sweep takes Kai down. But she comes back with a shoulder tackle and sends Blaze to the corner, and charging in only for Alundra to leap up and over for a sunset flip for a two-count. Blaze is running the ropes and hits a running sunset flip for another two-count. But Leilani comes back with a double chokehold before hitting a body slam for two. Alundra comes off the ropes with a hurricanrana for a near fall. But Kai comes back with a series of snap mirrors before tossing Blaze out to the floor. Back in the ring, Leilani tosses Alundra by her hair before hitting a double underhook suplex for a two count. And Jerry Lawler is just talking so much trash on Alundra Blaze here. He says that she could star in TV westerns if she had two more legs. And I just wish I could have rang his neck 
through my television screen talking about Medusa that way. basically kept saying she had a horse face. I know. She doesn't have a horse face. She's a wonderfully, wonderfully beautiful lady and strong to boot. Blaze ducks a clothesline and comes off the ropes with one of her own. Starts firing up to hit a spinning heel kick and a suplex for a near fall. Alundra stays on the attack with a pair of snapmares before hitting a bridging German suplex for the pin and, and the win. win. And as she celebrates her victory, we see a row of legends in the crowd, such oh, as yeah. Freddie Blassie, Lou Albano, Nikolai Volkov, and of course, Fabulous Mula and Mae Young. I know, I was like, look at all these guys. Look at Lou. I don't think he had any shit on his face this time. <laughs> yeah. He still had one. Oh rubber yeah, band the, down here. the rubber band yeah, chin. Yeah. We then get another Coliseum video WrestleMania moment. This time for WrestleMania Five. We're at the Trump Plaza, and Roddy Piper returns to have a segment with Brother Love and Mort Downey Jr. I know all the the love the smoking in the ring. Downey. And my all I really remember was that this segment went on for like 20 minutes yes they could have had like two matches in the time they did this morning downey jr thing this was the, the and i don't even line is long so keep going because they're not back to their seats yet i don't even know what the angle was i just know they smoked and it took a long time it was basically for roddy piper because yeah. he hadn't been, he hadn't been there in a while yeah degree. and you can hear all of our thoughts about that on episode 28 <laughs> which i remember me and michael having a very long and conversation about this segment <laughs> not as long as the segment so that's not fine. as long as the segment but it it got heated oh yeah did i like it you liked it way more than i did yeah i'm sure <laughs> i did i like it anytime people smoke inside on television i don't Those don't want to be there space <laughs> yeah but it returns to vince laughing and all i could think of was him saying that's some good s word we then get Todd Bettengale in the back, joined by Rhonda Shear, host of USA's Up All Night. Up All Night. Who else is there? Shawn Michaels walks in to interrupt immediately to start flirting with Rhonda. Uh, I mean, of course. They have a photographer there to take a picture. When all of a sudden, Burt Reynolds shoves Shawn out of the way to cock blocking. Yeah, and tells him to shave his chest. Bert chills for FanFest, and Sheer asks him to go with her. He says he will take her wherever she wants to go, and Rhonda faints. <laughs> Did you guys, were you USA Up All Night guys? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was a little young for it, but I did uh, catch, a, catch a few, but they just played trash movies for the oh, most yeah. part. That's, I mean, that was the, the glory of USA Up All Night. It was the, the, the celebration of B, C, and D yeah, where else are you going to catch a, a Toxic Avenger 2 on television? Yeah. Or, I can't remember what the hell the name of it was. It's like Getting Lucky or something like that about a guy who is able to shrink down. He hides inside of the girl he's got a crush on at one point. Oh, that uh, in her In her underwear. That rocks. Yeah. Sounds so great. There's one scene where he's hanging on to these fake hairs because <laughs> yeah, it was like Honey, I Shrunk the Kid mixed but into Herbie? a... Yeah. Uh, yeah. That sounds like my kind of movie. A Skinamax type yeah. show. Yeah. That's great. Um, there was another one that I remember I actually bought a copy of. Oh, you're going hardcore there, bro. Oh, yeah. I know. Because I, it I was should one of those, I saw it, and was like, ah, it's five bucks. It was it was one of those grindhouse classics that I had to get. I just had a great idea. Once we finish 
all of wrestling history, we should do the whole USA Up All Night lineup, every movie they ever watched, where we'll watch it and talk about it. Oh, shit. So, you know, whenever, if, whoever, if wrestling ever just ceases to exist, <laughs> you know, we got that in the pipeline. We then go to our fifth match. Men on a Mission. Mom herself. Of Mabel and Mo with Oscar versus the Quebecers of Jacques and Pierre with Johnny Polo for the WWF Tag Team Championship. They're not the Mounties. But they come out to that music. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mounties is a better name than Quebecers. Yeah. Well, I want to say that's what their song says, is we're not the Mounties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're not the Mounties. <laughs> yeah, they just changed the Mounties song. <laughs> We get our, our uh, rap tune, of course. It even says Whoop Day it is on Mom's gear. And uh, Oscar lets us know that MSG is the place to be, which is basically all he really says in his rap tune. Uh, I wonder, I feel like PN News may have been better at rapping. A little bit. Uh, I mean, neither of them are, um, you know, Christopher Wallace, RIP. But... Uh, <laughs> They had a, a, a good hype behind them, but as far as the actual rap skills go, it's kind of hit and miss. Yeah. Mostly miss. Yeah. But hey, whoop, there it is. So the Quebecers attack before the bell, and Pierre hits a second rope double axe handle on Mabel while Mo is tossed to the floor. Mabel comes right back with a double clothesline on the Canadians. Moe's back in the ring and hits a crossbody on Pierre. Men on a mission with a combo drop toe hold leg drop and a double elbow drop. Mom's getting fancy. Mm-hmm. As the ref is getting Mabel out of the ring, Jacques comes in to attack Mo. Pierre chokes him with the tag rope before Jacques hits a body slam and back body drops Pierre onto Mo for a two count. Had a boy. Mo is thrown to the floor and the Quebecers do the backdrop spot once again. It looks great. The over the top rope. And Vince McMahon. Freaks out. Never what seen a maneuver. like this before. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was really nice. Yeah. It was well executed. Double stun gun by the Quebecers. Pierre misses a clothesline, allowing Moe to hit a cannonball kick. But Jock makes his way into the ring to cut off a tag attempt and hits a body slam. Pierre goes for a leg drop from the top rope, only for Moe to move to avoid, and rolls to his corner for the... Warm tag. <laughs> what now? <laughs> Mabel with clotheslines on both Quebecers, backdrop on Pierre, sidewalk slam on Jacques, and goes for an avalanche splash. But Pierre moves, allowing the Quebecers to try for a double vertical suplex. It's a big boy. But Mabel is just too much. After some kicks, they try again, and this time they do get him over. Pierre follows with an assisted senton bomb for a near fall. Let this be a lesson, kids. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I know Johnny Polo uh, out on the corner with the the yeses, and I was like, oh, is this where Daniel Bryan got it from? (laughs) (laughs) Mabel and Pierre trade blows when Jacques comes in and jumps on Mabel's back, allowing Pierre to attempt an attack, only to hit Jacques in the process. Mabel continues with a spinning heel kick on Pierre and a clothesline on Jacques. Mo then bulldogs Mabel, on top of Jacques. Whoop day it is. Makes the cover, but the ref is distracted by Johnny Polo. Oscar's trying to pull Polo down from the apron when Pierre goes to make the save. But Mo sees him coming and moves out of the way, allowing Jacques to take the blow. 
Mo clotheslines Pierre over the ropes to the floor, followed by Mo bulldogging Mabel on top of him. Polo pulls Jacques out of the ring, and the ref counts the Quebecers out. I know, it's such a bummer because this match is, like, really good. And I'm like, I want to know. This is, like, way better than you would expect it to be. Like, it's quick. They do a bunch of stuff. It all looks good. And then... And then it's all over too soon. It's post-match. Men on a mission celebrate with the belts, despite not actually winning. Ugh, I would have loved a mom win here. Yeah. Mm, there they go. <laughs> and this would be the last time we see the Quebecers mm. for about two years. And the last time we see the character of Johnny Polo. Ooh. That's I wonder what I he's got up his sleeve. I forgot the Quebecers have a... Uh, we'll come back a while later. Yeah, well, he's going to go, you know... Johnny Polo's going to have a real transformation. I think maybe he went and saw the Crow two one, one too many times. Got Cooks, deep into those. Yeah, yeah. Got, went to an Alice in Chains concert. Forms a nest. Yeah. <laughs> a flock. <laughs> that's in WCW, sir. Oh, uh, yeah, we're not quite there yet. True. It's a nest I, I skipped a, yeah. a somewhere, a something. You we get, build a home for your flock. <laughs> we get another Coliseum video WrestleMania moment covering WrestleMania 6, where we're at the Toronto Sky Dome. Title versus title. Warrior versus Hogan, and the respect shown after the match. And you can hear our thoughts about that in episode 44. Chances are there was probably a pretty incredible... Warrior promo, because there always is. There are, yeah. So that means that Matt had lots of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Talking about heaven or clouds and and stuff. You Oh, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that those guys went in on a bag a few times. (laughs) Howard Finkel then introduces our guest celebrities for our next match. The Timekeeper will be Rhonda Shear. And the guest ring announcer will be Donnie Wahlberg, who heads up the group NKOTB. Oh, NKOTB. NKOTB, NKOTB. <laughs> Were you not an NKOTB guy? Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I love the new kids on the block. NKOTB? No. <laughs> Literally, they kept saying NKOTB, and I was all like... Why doesn't he just say New Kids on the Block? Yeah, you gotta say it the first time. And, then and you can I say literally it. was informed that they just shortened it to NKOTB oh, at one point. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't. Yeah. I, yeah. I just know the song Hangin' Tough, and I know that they were a big deal, but I was just kind of like too young their, for it. Like, they're trying to be taken more, a more serious. Serious, and, you know, serious as, they're not kids anymore. Yeah, as serious as uh, Donnie's goatee. If you want to be yeah. serious, then you don't go by Donnie anymore. You yeah, just become they, Donald. They didn't want to lose the new kids or on Don. the block name in general, but they didn't want to I mean, be referred to as adults kids anymore. Adults on the block just sounds like yeah. a weird yeah. sex thing. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, NKOTB just... They could have been the teens on the, teens on the corner. T-O-T-C. Just just call Uh, yourself the block. Yeah, yeah. The block. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. You could be famous for founding Jenny. Or you, you know, could have just took the money and ran. Not kids anymore. We'll just move (laughs) on. Or maybe swap people in and out like Menudo. Well, they hadn't really learned the 
the life Let's try a solo career oh yeah game, yeah so. there, there, this was like early boy band like we don't know how long this goes yeah. i think it was still another eight or ten years before they tried the even solo experiment but nkotb was at this point successful. they were still hanging tough yes they were barely hanging <laughs> but we get our sixth match yokozuna with mr fuji and jim Cornette versus lex luger for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship with Mr. Perfect as a special guest referee. Look at that standing ovation for I, Mr. Perfect. Yeah, I totally forgot Perfect was involved with this match. Oh, would you like to hear a very fun thing that Jerry Lawler said? Always. Of course. About Rhonda Shear? Uh-oh. He let us know that blew in her ear and she said thanks for the refill. Uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, Jerry. we're getting more and more foul every show. And, of course, Jerry's going to be the guy to, to really kick that off. Oh, yeah. So the last time we saw Mr. Perfect was all the way back at SummerSlam 1993, which was episode 100. Seems like so much longer. I know. It's always too long in between uh, Kurt Henning, anything. I'm not like... going to lie, though. The, uh, uh, the striped jumpsuit or whatever the hell it was he was wearing. Yeah, it was not good. Not oh, yeah. he's It's like... like Pants, all like full pants, not shorts. Shirt striped pants. with the shirt all striped. It's he's he looks crazy. Yeah, it's like you got to do the just do the shirt, just the shirt, not the pants too. Okay. The champion came out first. <sighs> Foreshadowing. I mean, interesting. Yoko should have worked harder at fat camp. <laughs> like they probably had him come out first, or maybe that's just where he's to make going. Sure, he made it to. <laughs> so the two men stare each other down with Yoko putting his finger in Lex's chest. But Luger comes back with right hands and ducks a clothesline, delivering one of his own, but it only phases Zuna. So Lex goes for another, but is taken down by a clothesline from Yoko Zuna. And I mean, I just gotta say, craziest Jim Cornette outfit we've seen. He's black and gold, but he's got like almost like a Dracula like a cowl thing going <laughs> off on his back it is great it's like luna helped him pick out his wardrobe or something. <laughs> yeah yeah he was like yeah but can we add some gold luna she's like sure 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 yeah and is there any way you could make it like really stiff around the neck where it could possibly poke <laughs> me in the eye elbow drop misses followed by a luger right hand that sends yoko to the floor lex comes off the apron with a double axe handle before ramming zuna's head multiple times into the still steps Back in the ring, Luger comes off the top with a crossbody for a two count. Continues with an elbow drop, but Yokozuna comes right back with a chop to the throat and starts to choke Lex on the ropes. Luger ducks a clothesline, goes for a body slam, but is unable to lift him. So Yoko just falls on top of him this for isn't, a two count. Yeah, this isn't the USS Intrepid. No. But you should be able to do it in Madison Square Garden, guy. Zuna with a headbutt, slams his head into the turnbuckle, and decides to remove the padding before going back to work with a chop and a trap hole. <gasps> some trap hole. Oh my gosh, like we've we've said a lot about trap holds, but Yoko maybe has the worst trap hold. No, but at least Lex has traps. Lex escapes momentarily, only to run into a shoulder block and a series of chops before the trap hole is put back on. Gary <laughs> mm. Lawler lets us uh, know that somewhere a Toyota, that, so that somewhere there's a Toyota with no seat covers. 
because that's how big Yokozuna's pants are. Swing and a miss, Jer. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Yokozuna finally releases the hold, tossing Luger out to the floor, where Fuji gets a shot in. And back in the ring, more chops and trap holds until Lex fires up, only to run into a belly-to-belly suplex. I was like, are you doing a trap hold because like Lex is too tall? But it's like, he can lean down. You can do a side headlock. Side headlock. It's like the most important move in wrestling, or at least it was uh, for like 100 years, or like, yeah, 80 years. <laughs> Yoko goes to ram Luger's head into the exposed turnbuckle. Lex blocks and reverses for Zuna to meet the steal. What is it? He he who sets up a gimmick takes gimmick? Basically. Followed by a trio of clotheslines and a body slam to get Yoko Zuna down to the mat. Luger hits the bionic forearm, which brings Cornette and Fuji onto the apron. So Lex slingshots Corny into the ring before knocking Fuji down. I love that Lex tapped the elbow to let everybody know what was going down. That's right. Lex then goes for a cover, but Perfect is trying to get both managers out of the ring. It's keeping it keeping it straight and narrow. Which makes Luger mad. So he gets in Perfect's face, shoves him, which is enough for Perfect to call for the disqualification. So uh, does that mean the next show we get Lex versus Kurt Henning? I'd like to see that. Just maybe. Possibly. I'd love to see Kurt Henning, Perfect Plex, Lex Luger. The crowd... Is not happening. Of course not. This is a title match. I think they're yelling something. Anybody want to? Uh, is it um, bullshit? Bullshit. Is this our first bullshit chant? I do believe. Uh, I think there has been some other ones, okay. especially in some of those WCW dusty finish matches. Oh yeah, it's like we've had some some curse words this yelled. Might be our first for sure. Shit. Yeah. So in the upcoming weeks, Perfect would explain that he screwed Lex. Because he wanted revenge for Luger's illegal win at WrestleMania 9. See, I was trying to remember. Mm -hmm. I thought they had had a match at 9. This was done to set up a feud between them. Unfortunately, Perfect's back problems flared up again. A.K.A. he was still receiving insurance money and didn't want to cost him. Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, my insurance money is working better than what I'll probably get from Vince. Yeah. But he will be back as a commentator and referee over the next couple of years. But he doesn't wrestle again in the WWF for about eight years. So sad. Mm -hmm. Makes me very sad. But we do go back to the back. And Todd Pettengill's there with Mr. Perfect. And Todd says he wants an explanation. And Perfect says Lex put his hands on the official. Which is true. Mm Mm-hmm. And Luger then storms to the back and interrupts. They start yelling at each other and have to be separated. Would that have led to a Luger heel turn? Or would Perfect have... It was a perfect heel turn. I this, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is... Um, I don't enjoy that as much. Pre... Well, I think it was Colin Quinn that said it, but um, <laughs> on like... Remote control? Or? No, the weekend update or whatever but mr perfect said that's my story and i'm sticking to it and all i could think about was snl reruns on comedy central as a kid but that was that colin quinn that said it was that, so. was that his i think that was his call uh, his I'm trying to remember his, what his update um, colin was 
only weekend update for one season. short amount of time. So he he was, but yeah, he's kind of he's, he's low key my fa- like kind of my favorite. Like Norm Macdonald, I hated, and when Norm Macdonald got fired, I love Norm Macdonald. I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Norm McDonald is, is, is not... Norm McDonald... Norm McDonald's comedy is not for everybody, but it's definitely for me. Yeah. <laughs> Norm McDonald on SNL, I just couldn't do, because... He was too weird. He was way too dry. I love for, it. For my liking, to the point that it just... It got uh, annoying after a while. He's like, a genius. I love him. He's too yeah. good for SNL, is my opinion. Maybe but, that was it. But... He didn't fit. Yeah, that's... I can, I can, I can see that for sure. Just tell me you're not a Dennis Miller guy. No, he's annoying. Dennis okay. Miller on, on SNL now. I like him in other stuff. Okay. And I don't like uh, I, oh, like the net. Is it Dennis Leary, the the Boston guy? I hate that. Yeah. Fuck. I hate that fucking but Dennis. He was, he was so, I know, but just guys named Dennis that do comedy. It's like fucking these guys suck. Dennis Leary fucking sucks. Dennis Miller fucking sucks. We then get another Coliseum video WrestleMania moment. This time covering WrestleMania Seven. And we get the L.A. Sports Arena, and we see the blindfold match between Jake the Snake Roberts and Rick the Model Martell. You guys remember how good that was? Mm-hmm. That was such a good match. Uh, and you can hear us talk Rick even Martell. more about it in episode 54. 54. I wish that the arrogance stayed in the air longer. I always wanted to get one of those little yeah. pump mister thingies. An atomizer? Is that what they're called? I, I think so. Yeah. When's your birthday? I'll get you an atomizer. Well, I don't know how much they cost. SummerSlam. (laughs) (laughs) SummerSlam. Howard Finkel then introduces Harvey Whippleman. And Harvey comes out and he starts berating the Fink, ripping his tux jacket. So Howard shoves him on his ass. Hell yeah, Fink. But then Adam Bomb comes running out and grabs the Fink, which brings Earthquake rumbling out to the (sighs) ring. So we get our seventh match. Adam Bomb with Harvey Whippleman versus Earthquake. And we haven't seen Earthquake since the Royal Rumble 1993, which was episode 86. Quake hits a belly-to-belly suplex, a power slam, and an earthquake splash for the pin and And the win. win. Nothing like a surprise squash match with none other than John Tenta himself. Yeah, so this match, I totally forgot about. Um, uh, I believe you. <laughs> even during this watch back here, because apparently this one happened when I got up to get a drink, because I, <laughs> <laughs> I remember the beginning of it with you know, Harvey Whippleman coming down there and having the shoving match. He's between... calling Fink. Yeah, he said he had monkey ears and making fun of yeah. Fink. Don't but as I, as I was looking through these notes here when we started the show, it was like, wait, they actually had a match? I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, it's like he came in and slammed him and they just called <laughs> it a match. <laughs> A match. match. Yeah, I called it a surprise squash. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. But hey, Adam Bomb got a paycheck. We then go to the locker room and Todd Pettengill is there. And he's joined by Jim Cornette, Yokozuna, and Mr. Fuji. And Corny says, who still has the belt? Luger thought he had it won, but Mr. Perfect was wonderful at officiating. Bret Hart, it's not a question if you're going to win. It's a question if you're still going to be able to wrestle. Yokozuna is hungry, and he's gonna be the shark. The ring is the ocean, and Hitman is the chum that causes the feeding frenzy. And I'm gonna have to jump in here. 
great promo by Jimmy C, but he quotes Ian Anderson. He even says, says the the musician and poet Ian Anderson once said, "He who he who made kittens put snakes in the grass," which is wild. Most people probably don't know who Ian Anderson is, but uh, I do because I grew up with the shit. But he's the lead singer of the rock group Jethro Tull, and that is a lyric okay. from a song, but he doesn't even say the name of the band, doesn't even say that it's from a song. He calls him, like, musician and or philosophizer and poet, and I shit my pants, I had to send the clip to my dad, and I was like, he quoted a lyric from Bungle in the Jungle, like, a not popular, like, I think it was probably a single off of an album in 74, but it wasn't the, like, two Jethro Tull songs that people actually know, which is Locomotive Breath and Aqualung, and I shit my pants. There's not many things I, uh... You know, I'm probably the biggest Jethro Tull fan outside of my dad in all of Oklahoma City. It's all I'm saying. So it was really cool. And like, I was like, oh, it's nice to know that one of my favorite people in all of wrestling was listening to Jethro Tull on cassette between, uh, between towns. We then get another Coliseum video WrestleMania moment, this time for WrestleMania 8. And we get the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis. And the Undertaker appears. Boom. And you can hear us talk about that in episode 68. You know what I would love to learn how to play on a keyboard is the Undertaker theme. That would be good. I know. It's, I might have to look up a video. I think, I think there's a keyboard in my house. But I feel like that would I feel like that would be like not very hard, but very rewarding. And something you really wouldn't probably do again. But there's no way I'd forget it once Did I learned it. Like- a Guitar Hero version. Oh yeah, I guess I could probably <laughs> learn a guitar, but I just want to have the like the fake Casio organ sound. But we then get our eighth match: Shawn Michaels with Diesel versus Razor Ramon in a ladder match for the undisputed WWF Intercontinental Championship. For the real, to find out who the real champion is. There's two belts in hanging above the ring and. The ladder is not in the ring, which is a great way to start. So I does the champion come out first? Mm-hmm. Who's the real champion? <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Now there are no rules to this match, and the only way to win is to ascend the ladder and grab both belts. So the match gets going, with Sean grabbing a hammerlock. But it's quickly countered, descending to the ropes, where the two men both go for hip tosses, which are both blocked. So Ramon grabs the throat for a choke slam. Michael starts running the ropes and ducks a clothesline, coming back with a running neckbreaker. Razor hits a shoulder tackle and goes to run the ropes himself, but Sean just tosses him through the ropes to the floor, where Diesel begins to stalk the bad guy hitting a clothesline, which earns himself an ejection from the referee. Dun, dun, dun. Get out of here, Diesel. Back in the ring, Ramon goes on the attack with right hands and a clothesline that sends HBK out to the floor, where Razor follows out, removing the protective mats around ringside. Careful. We know what happened the last time somebody decided to, you know, remove a pad, I guess. Cactus Jack did a back. Oh, yeah, back splat. And then, um, I mean, you know, I guess. I know you're referring to Hogan. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, Yoko took it, but he made it out all right. Basically unscathed. 
Sean, with a rake of the eyes to gain advantage, rolls the bad guy back into the ring where he continues the attack until Ramon hits a big right hand and sets up for the razor's edge. But Michaels counters with a back body drop out onto the concrete floor. As you said, he who removes it must receive it. I know. HBK goes out to retrieve the ladder, dragging it back to ringside. When the bad guy sneaks up from behind with the right hand, rolling Sean back into the ring. Ramon then grabs the ladder to place inside the ring, but Michael's baseball slides the ladder into Razor's gut. Ooh, and we get our, like, first real, like, ladder cringe. Real, real, first real ladder <laughs> cringe. Yeah, this is our first ladder match that we've watched, and is it the yeah. first ladder match? On pay-per-view? In general. I mean, I feel this feels like something that they probably did in, like, Memphis or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. In, in like, WWE, it's not, obviously not the first one ever. But. Yeah. In WWF, I believe this was the first televised pay-per-view ladder match. I know Sean and Brett had had one at one point on, like, a house show yeah. somewhere. They were tested out or whatever. All I'm saying is one ladder, two guys is so much better than what we've what we've devolved into. HBK slams the bad guy's head into the still steps before rolling him in, gathers the ladder up into the ring as well. Using the ladder, Sean then rams Ramon in the gut multiple times before slamming it down on his back and throwing it across the ring onto Razor's back. He's getting reckless. Why is it that friends who wrestle beat the shit out of each other so much more than guys who actually hate each other. They trust, <laughs> they each, trust other. each other. Yeah, know, yeah. But, it's like, oh, you know. Uh, it's like, also, it's like, you know, Vader's gonna shoot on you anyway, but like, you know, uh, some guys, they might, uh, they might get a little stiff, if, but, you know, there's a, friendship is good. Yeah. Michael sets the ladder up to start climbing, but the bad guy reaches up, grabbing him by his trunks, exposing his bare ass. HBK booty. Only for Heartbreak Kid to kick Ramon away before delivering an elbow drop off the ladder. Sean sets the ladder up in the corner now, delivering a body slam to Razor before heading to the top of the ladder to hit a splash. Back to the middle of the ring with the ladder, but the bad guy pushes the ladder over, sending Michaels across the top rope. Mm. Both men start running the ropes, only to run into each other for the double KO, with HBK up first, again positioning the ladder in the corner. And I love the incredible eagle-eye view of the belts, the ladder, both guys just laid out. Sean goes for an Irish whip, only for Ramon to reverse, sending Michaels flying into the ladder and over the top rope to the floor. Razor then takes the ladder to the outside sandwiching HBK in between the ring post and the ladder multiple times. Sean ends up in the aisle, so the bad guy sets the ladder up against the apron before catapulting Michaels into it. Back in the ring, Ramon bashes HBK in the jaw with the ladder, sends him back out to the floor, so Razor sets the ladder up and begins the climb, only for Sean to climb to the top turnbuckle, jumping off with a double axe handle that collapses the ladder. The ladder is set up again, with both men climbing to the top. They're trading blows before the bad guy suplexes Michaels off to the mat. I know. Isn't that, isn't that a lot? But he ends up losing his balance and falls off the ladder as well. Every time I watch that part, it always makes me nervous. Just because <laughs> yeah. he falls from 
a good ways up there, and the ladder looks like it kind of. Oh, the ladder breaks. Yeah, yeah, it goes. The legs go opposite directions, and mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, definitely like does the twist twist bend. <laughs> Ramon starts climbing back up, but HBK hits the ladder with a drop kick, causing Razor to lose his balance and fall off again. And if it wasn't bent, it sure is now. Mm-hmm. Followed by just dropping it on top of the bad guy. <laughs> Both men are back to their feet, and Sean hits a super kick, mimics the call for the razor's edge, but hits a pile driver instead. Michaels then takes the ladder to a corner, climbs up to the top rope, coming off with a splash of the ladder across remote. Yeah, he like rides the ladder down timber style right across him, and uh, oh my god. In the, yeah, to quote the great Joey Styles. Oh my god! <laughs> Thank you, Matt. HBK sets the ladder up over the prone body of Razor, begins to climb, but the bad guy gets to his feet, hitting a shoulder block to the ladder, sending Sean into the ropes to crotch himself and becoming all tangled up by his feet. Oh my gosh. Damn it. Ramon climbs the ladder, removes the belts from the brass ring before falling back to the mat. For the win. It's incredible. And unified. Oh, unified and unified. But <laughs> both men. Yeah, no, he already was the champ. Both men flat on the mat. And I love that, like, when they came out, Razor walked around the ladder. Sean walked under the ladder because he's a cocky son of a bitch. And then he puts the ladder over him again later. Double bad luck, as Jerry Lawler informs us. And it's like, yeah, Sean. Flew too close to the sun. You can't fucking pat yourself on the back all the time. Post-match, Razor climbs back up to the top of the ladder to celebrate. <sighs> yeah, he looks fucking awesome. I mean, both these guys look great, but Razor's just so huge. And, the like, the ladder is so rickety. The ref is, like, stabilizing yeah, it for him. But he does a pretty good job of, like, standing in front of it to, like, be like, oh, yeah, it's him. I'd raise his hand, but, yeah. you know, this is... Yeah, this... Yeah, he deserves to be up there doing this right now. <laughs> So there was a rumor that this was supposed to be Shawn Michaels' last match with the WWF. Because, I mean, Shawn Michaels, of course, was a gigantic asshole and kind of, like, went away and came back a few times. Like, the uh, when we watched the Bret Hart family match mm-hmm. with... That was supposed to be Jerry Lawler, but he had some legal troubles. Was when was like Sean had just came back from one of his fits or whatever. Yeah, he got called so, back early to help out for it. Yeah, so he's <laughs> probably about to go on another fit, is what you're telling me. No, actually, yeah. he was actually about to sign down south. Oh, wow. As they were wrestling down in WCW. Yeah, and also uh, they got Ted Bucks now. But Michael's caught wind of a certain orange goblin. Mm, and he was smart enough to know he could get himself over. And didn't want to deal with the backstage politics that that would bring. Yeah, it's like, you're not going to be a champion there. Hurricane Hogan coming through and yeah. eating up all the money. So he stuck with Vince. Mm-hmm. And that is history. Yeah, that's a pretty cool. Good for Sean to know better. Exactly. Because Sean Michaels in WCW... Like, it probably would have gone down in the way that Bret Hart moving to WCW in the future, spoiler alert, worked out for him, where we lost some incredible years of one of the best to fucking do it. 
Uh, not one. Yeah, I mean, you know. We, we, we missed out on what could have been some good matches, I'm sure, because, yeah. We would have seen Sean, some Sean and, and Sting, Pillman. Sean and Pillman, yeah. Sean and Rick. Young all... Sean and Younger Flair would have been yeah. pretty great together. But, yeah, we all like Sean and Vader. Oh, I might still see that one at some yeah. point, but, but you know what we'll, we'll see some of them, but, yeah, just the, the thought of... What if they rebuilt the Hollywood Blondes with Shawn Michaels and oh. Steve Austin? Yeah, what about... I just want to see <laughs> Shawn Michaels versus all those... I want to see him... Uh, yeah, I guess teaming with Paul Orndorff. Or one of them going... I mean, Paul Orndorff's not going to go face, but Shawn Michaels face versus... Uh, or him going in down as a heel and having a match with Dustin. There's so many, like, all of, like, like WCW right now, right before the Orange Goblin comes in, has a roster so incredibly good and deep that it's like oh these i can name like five guys down there right now and it's like oh these guys at this point in time i'm in love with all of it and uh it makes me wonder what they would have called him i don't know because he he most likely wouldn't have been Shawn michaels i'm sure it would have been good who knows yeah but hey we don't have to worry about that that's the fun part of wrestling all the all the bullshit behind the scenes is just as fun as the stuff that happens in the ring, especially as time goes on, it becomes almost more interesting than a lot of the stuff in the ring. But, you know, it is what it is. McMahon then sends it to the back, and we see IRS, Jeff Jarrett, Rick Martell, and the Head Shrinkers arguing in the locker room about who should be the captain. And then we go back to Vince, and he says, well... I guess we're not going to have the 10-man tag match since they can't decide on a captain. Yes! I was like, I was like, oh man, the only thing that could pull this show down that's just been moving at a clip, everything's been fun, Everyone's everyone knows that they're performing at the 10th WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Like It seems like everybody that's shown up in that ring is aware of, of what's going on, and they're bringing it, and uh, a 10-man tag, I just can't, couldn't have been happier. When he told me that we weren't going to have a 10-man tag. But they were scheduled to face the 1-2-3 kid, Sparky Plug, Tatanka, and the Smoking Guns. But it was canceled due to time constraints. But you can go watch it on the Raw after WrestleMania. That's They actually did have it oh, on okay. that show. Okay. If you really want to. I mean, I I'm, I like Bob. I like 1-2-3. Uh, like I'm like, Ooh, all right. Bob Holly has actually said in his book that the ladder match was told to go to finish, but Sean and Razor just ignored the ref. Well, you know what? And they went long. Yeah. They Thank did you. the right thing. Yes. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Scott. We um when we salute you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As the... great as you know, and memorable as one, two, three, kid, Sparky Plug, Tatanka, and the Smoking Guns versus IRF. Double J, Rick Martel, and the Head Shrinkers could have possibly been. Not that it would have been anything that great, but you know, sorry you weren't able to go to the restroom in live attendance. Uh, for those of you that were there watching the show, I mean, there's a reason the one like one of the few VHS tapes I had was like the best of WrestleMania. This was one of the matches on it. This mm-hmm. is the only match on the show that I'd seen before, but they picked this one for a reason. Vince then sends it to Todd Pettengill, who's back in the, the presidential box with Bill Clintonish. <laughs> Todd points out another guest in the box is the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Before sending us to another Coliseum video 
WrestleMania moment for WrestleMania 9, where we see Caesar's Palace, the world's largest toga party. An elephant. Caesar riding out on his elephant. The voice of Gorilla Monsoon. Oh. Macho Man being fed grapes by some lovely ladies. And Mr. Fuji throwing salt in Bret Hart's eyes. Motherfucker. And you can hear us talk all about that in episode 88. Vince then sends us to a video package. And we see Bret Hart coming out to the ring, slapping hands with fans. Pictures of him as a small boy before wrestling highlights are intertwined with shots of him and Stu Hart in the dungeon. Which is very funny because it's not real because it's like Stu Hart today. So And it's like two little kids that they got to do it. It's probably like... I don't know, Brett's kid or niece or nephews or nephews or whatever, but it's funny because it's like, oh, that's they, that's not real footage, but it's very funny and it's kind of cool. Could be a, a young David Hart Smith or there whatever. We then get highlights of Yokozuna destroying everybody in the ring, including Hogan and The Undertaker. One thing I noticed in the package was they didn't show any of the Hart Foundation footage with Bret Hart. Which they just showed him singles. It's like, well, you know, he was here tearing it up before then too. But I understand it's singles, Bret Hart. Yeah, yeah. Once once he moved into the uh, the championship scene, you had to forget. Yeah, I just figured we get like one wrestling. one finisher from the Hart Foundation, uh, but or heart yeah heart attack. But nope. Bill Dunn then introduces some more celebrity guests. Mm-hmm. Our guest timekeeper for the main event. Is Jenny Garth from 90210. <laughs> the best part is that the theme song is playing right now in the background <laughs> on mute. As, as uh, uh, Jason Priestley uh, welcomes us to uh, an episode of yeah. Beverly Hills 90210. Let's get a look at Jenny Garth here coming across the screen. Oh, so cute. Um, look at that smile. I know. She is. All right. Look at those bangs. What yeah, a cutie. Back. And then we get our guest ring announcer, who's Burt Reynolds, who seems to have had a few drinks in the back. I will. Uh, oh, he, to, probably, yeah, you know, he probably has a Coors truck behind him at all times. To throw Norm McDonald some uh, props, I, I did like his. Uh, <laughs> He's Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Um, not I'll, only on I'll SNL, take but S-words. also. Also, uh, the. I'll take swords. <laughs> when he was on. Uh, my name is Earl, as uh, Burt Reynolds played a character on there, so he had to uh, play his son. Okay, yeah. that's fun. It was great. But we get our ninth match. Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette versus the Hitman, Bret Hart, for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship with Rowdy, Roddy, Piper as the special guest referee. Fuck yes. Oh. I was so not ready for that. The rowdy one has returned. No, Hot Rod in the ring. I love his No Fear t-shirt. So 94. Yeah. So the last time we saw Piper was at SummerSlam 92 playing the bagpipes. Oh, that's right. Well, I also love that he pulls off his kilt and then he hugs Brett and it's like, remember that fucking juice match with him and Brett right. that was so good hey, oh, hey, bringing it all around they, they spent holidays together I know. he's known him since he was a kid so good and you, sing, you can see that bagpipe playing all the way back in episode 74 oh, and go back and yeah. find the Bret Hart Roddy Piper juice a thon I love that match once again the champion came out first foreshadowing mm. fat camp 
So Hart comes out limping, and he climbs into the ring. You know why he comes out limping? Because Bret Hart is a fucking wrestler. That's right. Yoko attacks him with a series of chops and headbutts, but Bret fires back, only to be punched right back down and body slammed. The hitman again fires up with right hands and a drop kick that wobbles Yokozuna. Tries for a second, but Yoko just shoves it away. Zuna's back on the offense, and he begins to choke Hart across the ropes, biting his forehead, which brings admonishment from Piper. Cornette jumps up on the apron, but Roddy swings at him, sending him back to the floor. Fuck out of there, Jim. Yokozuna with a headbutt and goes for a splash, but Brett moves in time. A series of rights and a headbutt from the hitman knocks Yoko down, followed by a faceplant. But Zuna comes back with a rake of the eyes. Hart ducks a clothesline, comes back with right hands and a double axe handle across the back for a cover. But Cornette pulls Piper out of the ring to stop the count. So Rowdy just lays out Corny. Yeah, I love that he pulls him pulls him to the ground or whatever, and uh, Roddy Piper does like, what do you expect? And just like lays Corny out, but he does like, throws the, shrugs the shoulders up and just lays him out, and he's got the biggest fucking smile on his face. Roddy Piper is loving it. Told you once, not gonna tell you twice. Uh-huh. I'm just gonna kick your ass. Yeah. Yokozuna regains control as Fuji checks on Cornette, delivers a diving headbutt and more chokes, which causes him to get into it with Piper again. Gotta keep Yoko honest. Yoko with a leg drop before tossing Brett over the ropes to the floor. Once back in the ring, Zuna stays on the attack with more eye rakes and more biting. Irish whip to the corner and Yoko Zuna charges in, only for the hitman to move to avoid, followed by coming off the second rope with a bulldog for a two count. Second rope elbow drop, clothesline, and Hart goes back to the second rope. Still still on that leg. Caught this time. For a belly-to-belly suplex. Fuck yes. Yoko drags Brett to the corner and climbs up to the second rope. Bonsai! But the hitman moves while Zuna slips off the ropes. Uh-oh. Falling backwards onto his head. Uh-oh. Allowing Hart to make the cover for the pin. <laughs> and, and the win. And new! Post-match. Yokozuna stalks after Piper back to the locker room as Pyro starts going off. Brett finally makes it to his feet to celebrate when Lex Luger is suddenly in the ring. Lex extends his hand and Piper comes back out and they raise the hitman's arm. It's beautiful. The ring starts filling up with people such as Burt Reynolds, Razor Ramon, 1-2-3-Kid, Sparky Plug, Tatanka, Rhonda Shear, Macho Man Randy Savage then comes into the ring and raises Brett's arm. Hell yeah. Followed by Donnie Wahlberg. And KOTB, baby. Gorilla Monsoon, Pat Patterson, and even Vince McMahon comes into the ring. Before Vince enters the ring, he lets us know that it is a brand new era. And uh, I'm here for it. I just, I got like teary just seeing Gorilla enter the ring. Because I love him so much. And I miss him. The wrestlers lift Hitman up on his shoulders. Mm. But as that's happening, we see Owen Hart making his way down the aisle. <sighs> staring at the scene in the ring. Savage and Monsoon hold the ropes open for him. 
but the rocket just keeps staring. Brett finally sees him before security takes Owen to the back. The camera then scrolls out to see the entire crowd before fading to black. It's beautiful. Beautiful. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of WrestleMania 10? I mean, pacing-wise, like, this is kind of a perfect show. Yes. Like, everything in ring is solid. Good, like, you know, incredible to solid. Men on a Mission of Quebecers had no right to have a match that good. No. Honestly. You know, like, there, it's just, like, it's so well, like I said, paced. They picked the right spot for all the matches, and it was a breeze to watch. Agreed. Starts off hot, gives you the uh, the little slower breaks in there. You know, even the slower breaks, you know, like you were saying, arguably you know, like the biggest angle of the of the show is in the first match. Yes, yeah, it the pacing is great on it. The storytelling is awesome on it. The action in the ring keeps you interested from start to finish. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of. I don't know if I have anything negative to say after that. Um, like the off yeah the the uh, mixed tag match perfectly put at the second spot like mm-hmm. if it was anywhere else in the show maybe i could complain about it but it was where it needed to be mm-hmm. like you need something like that after you have like an in-ring classic ladder match apparently ran long and did what it should not only wowing the crowd through an awesome match and story but then keeping us from having to sit through a, a 10 man a 10 man tag match that didn't really need it's to like be how much longer place. could it have gone like were they just gonna was it's supposed to be like six minutes and then a tag match like a 10-man tag match has to be fucking at least eight minutes long so it's like i don't i don't know i don't feel like the ladder match was long but maybe it was i don't know the time on it i just know that it was anything but boring the 10-man would have been mostly making your entrances and the match itself would have been done in about 30 seconds (laughs) i don't know i'm glad i'm (laughs) glad the best thing they could have done for this is the ladder match to go on because we get a true classic I mean, you guys have pretty much mentioned the the main reasons why this show is one of the best... Rest, I mean, it's definitely the best WrestleMania we have seen so far in the 10. Uh, as, yeah. far, as far as, like, start to finish, yes. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I love the, the build-up during WrestleMania 4, but there was a lot of boring matches in that one. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of great moments one. on I mean, all we, shows. We love tournaments. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, there was definitely some duds in that tournament. Yeah, there's there's a tournament we're going to be talking about in the next episode that really wipes the floor with any tournament we've watched that happened in one evening. So it's like most one evening tournaments, you get some some gimmicky stuff, some quick stuff to keep it moving or whatever, and we love them. But yeah, it even had the perfect tagline of ten years in the making. Yeah, we've been waiting for ten WrestleManias to have that one perfect WrestleMania. Yeah, and I think we may have just hit it. All right, I think so. And you know, they you get sent home happy. Mm-hmm. Happy and excited. Fucking a brand new ch- champion. A brand new champion. A champion, you know, a brand new champion who got beat earlier in the night by yep. his brother. So there's a, an insta build right there for where to go. It's like, yeah, the, the whitest of meat baby face you can have. He lost to his brother in the first match and won the title with a destroyed knee in the second that he never stopped selling from the beginning of the show to the end of the show. Bret Hart, we love you and wrestling misses you. 
Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So give me some of those best moments of the show. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's and normally it's hard finding a best moment. I think in this case there are more best than disappointing. So dude, Roddy Piper coming out as the guest referee was yeah. great. Like that alone, as far as like stuff that's not like in the ring, it's like oh that was fucking great. Yeah, you got the the return of Roddy. You've got the return of Perfect. Just that first match in general. Mm-hmm. No Hogan in sight. Honestly, Lex and Yoko had a good match. Oh yeah. Kurt Henning, Kurt, Kurt Henning, no yeah, Hogan in sight. yeah, Kurt, yeah, Kurt, Kurt Henning uh, came out and got a standing ovation. When I take it back, there was Hogan in flashbacks. But... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, those were just in the Coliseum videos. Alundra Blaze getting the pyro. Oh, I to love make her. Seem like she is the fucking big deal. Yeah. And then she goes in and looks like a big deal. Yeah. Her shit's clean and crisp, and you know, I know Leilani Kai has been a wrestler for a really long time. She's not at her prime, but she's. Never looked as clean or crisp as the Jerry Lawler, if you're listening. Beautiful, strong, intelligent, and talented Alundra Blaze. Yeah, Medusa only calling things. her a horse face. You son of a... I guess she's too old for you, <laughs> Jerry Lawler. I said it. How about most disappointing? Um, I, I think we just basically are like... This show rules. <laughs> this show rules, so like, everything is the best moment. But is there anything that was disappointing... I even thought the Bill stuff was fun, so I don't know, man. Like, I even had a good time with the Clinton crap, which was unnecessary, but I still was fun. I think one time with the Clinton stuff was good, but like, well, they had to do going back to they it had to do fun. IRS and then Million Dollar Man, and they should have just did like the Million Dollar Man, or but you know you can't just have yeah. I guess but, I mean he had just completed enough. his first year as president too, so it was yeah. still fairly fresh. They didn't make a saxophone joke. Surprising. Most disappointing for me, <laughs> and I'm just nitpicking on it, but there was a match that had Crush, but that match also had Randy Savage, so yeah, there it was, was the yin and the yang. There was only like two gimmick matches, and they were both good, and one was just to get Randy on the show, and it was still like really interesting. And it didn't overstay its welcome. One of the more disappointing things for me, and this is going to be just like one of the like, super nitpicky thing. That Johnny Bad forgot his bad blaster? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who was deciding what highlights to show in these WrestleMania moments? I don't know. I was confused by some of them as like, well. Just, Undertaker like, is by the ring. <laughs> I was just that like, moment. That's your moment? <laughs> yeah. From that wrestle- like, you're basically telling me that this WrestleMania that you're showing me highlights from was shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like you couldn't have... Showing a leg, a Hogan leg drop or something. Exactly. I'm like, like whether you know, love him or hate him, like it is what it is. Yeah, wouldn't I mean, you, give us wouldn't Randy you show? Savage winning the belt. I'm like, yeah. Wouldn't or I guess you show I mean the Hogan the leg drop. You don't want to show holding the belt up, basically. Or yeah, you, you had that same show right there that had Brett and Piper in a match. Both of them are on this show. Show that. I, I was just like, whenever I, I think they showed the blindfold match, I was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's They're great. showing yeah. the blindfold match because I like that match, but yeah. I'm like. Is that the match people remember from that WrestleMania? Yeah, Hogan versus Savage. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, huh? Yeah, where's where's Elizabeth? Or where's Hogan the Mega Powers? Savage. Warrior versus Savage, that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. I think that a lot of it is probably they just didn't want to show Hogan more than they had to, and they're like, well, we're going to pick one. We do WrestleMania, yeah. like Andre. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely, because, I mean, why wouldn't you show Savage yeah. and Steamboat? Why wouldn't you show Flair yeah. and, Flair and uh, Savage? You know, 
or even Hogan and Sid. Like, yeah. it was one of those things of you can't show that one because Flair is now back in WCW. Yeah, Steam exactly. Steam it's like they were just WCW. covering yeah. their bases. Snuka, who is in ECW? Who? Yeah. Who also, you're, you're I mean, trying to sell some tapes, it, I guess. Like, but I guess still, it's like if you're trying to sell yeah. tapes, you know how you do it? Show an image of Ric Flair. Yeah. You show uh, a Hogan and Steamboat. You still own the rights to that pro- footage. To that footage. So I'm yeah, like, maybe they just want to be like, hey, we're not. We don't want to let you. We want to make sure you know Hogan's not fucking locked and loaded for the next WrestleMania. And one other thing here, just throwing it out there as like a what if, would Lex Luger had beating Yokozuna, and then having Luger and Hart as the final match. What do you think that could have been a better idea? Because that's the two guys that ended up winning at the Rumble. I yeah, I mean, I would have liked to see that uh, match for sure, but I think that Yoko is slower, and Brett had the knee match, and Luger is a much more like he's imposing in an athletic way compared to Yokozuna. That like it might be a little more unbelievable for Brett to pull it out on a healthy Luger. I think it had to do with. I mean, Lex kind of got thrown into the Hogan position and did not deliver. Didn't deliver. Didn't even uh, try didn't to deliver. Have the crowd reaction really, and I don't know. The company just didn't. They they appeared to be behind him, but they never actually viewed him as a potential contender. So Luger's the kind of guy that didn't watch wrestling ever and was in wrestling for paycheck. He just like didn't really. He just didn't doesn't didn't understand it. He is a pretty decent wrestler, but that's probably because they threw him directly into the Four Horsemen. So he was surrounded by guys and learned from them, and but he just doesn't. His heart's not in it, and uh, and then they also had to have him in the books as a former champion as well, even if it was a. An I mean, hour just the, just the way that Vince really wanted Luger to be the guy. I'm not saying that I was surprised by any means. I'm just yeah. I'm just kind of throwing out a what if type scenario yeah. that would have been interesting. I think. To possibly see that instead of instead of a Yokozuna because this is the first time we've had the same main event basically in back to back WrestleManias. Back to back. What if really Luger, what if Luger came out and uh, leg dropped and won? I mean, Luger <laughs> came out and I was kind of like, oh, is that what we're about to get? But, Thank God, Brett Brett got Brett got it clean, and we got surrounded by basically a bunch of new guys that are. Up and comers and Tatanka. They basically just let the ten man tag because they were yeah, sitting there in the yeah. back ready to go out, and so they probably actually had the ten man tag after the show ended as a dark match. Maybe, yeah, possibly just because it was on the actual fire or whatever. Yeah. Best performer of the night, it's Brett, right? Yeah, Brett did it twice. We give it yeah. to Brett, and then we give it the second and place. Owen. Second place is a tie between like Owen. Razor and Sean, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like ah, they can have, they can they all had one match. They can have the third, second spot, and uh, you know, Brett did it twice. Brett did it twice, and he said, "I said one of the best," and he said one of the best. It's like Brett also did it the best. Anything surprising on this show? Apparently, there was an Adam Bomb and Earthquake match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a good amount of surprises throughout this show, just like with. 
you know, didn't expect a Savage match, didn't expect Earthquake to show up, didn't expect Kurt Henning or Roddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was like fun stuff like that, or even like fucking Burt Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Or Jenny Garth. Or Jenny Garth. Or, or, uh, or like Ronda Shear, I could totally get because she was on the network. On USA. Yeah. yeah. And they like to see list celebrities. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You gotta make it USA happy because, you know, they may cheapen your. And at the very least, it's like, oh, well, she has really big boobs and she's hot so they put her in like some you know like a crazy a crazy pink dress and put her next to burt reynolds like at the very least she's eye candy and it puts over a show and how are you gonna sell bad movies without breasts i'm still upset that they didn't have the uh cast of silk stockings on one wrestlemania (laughs) making their way to the ring it's trivia time holy shit it's that time again? Oh, yes. This week, the category is the numbers game. The numbers game. Uh-huh. What I say. Hmm. Trying to remember what the numbers game is, but uh, eight. you can tell us. So. Sometimes it's a number. Sometimes it's a name of a wrestler based off of a number. 316. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Make my go-to answer is 54. <laughs> okay. So five points for our correct answer. Three points if we go to multiple choice. The question this week is, who had the most losses between 1983 <laughs> and 1992? Oh, shit. <laughs> 1983 and 92 on the shows we watched. Okay. <laughs> this is a wild question. <laughs> We've done wins. I know, but like wins make sense. <laughs> I, I, not, not that this doesn't, but it's like, fuck. This will be a tough one. I mean, I'm just going to take it to multiple choice. I'm not going to risk it. I can't risk it. Are we having multiple choice? You, if okay. we can go, multiple we can go. Multiple choice is an option. Yeah, okay. but if, I, if we buzz in to guess, then it's like, okay, yeah. well. May as well just multiple choice it. Going to multiple choice. Four options are Brutus, the barber beefcake. Okay. Beef. Honky Tonk Man. Okay. Same guy. <laughs> Terry Taylor. Okay. Or Greg the Hammer Valentine. Damn it. Oh, man. Yeah, Rhythm and Blues, the Barber, and the Red Rooster. I'm going to go straight for uh, my favorite face in all of wrestling. So you're going for Greg? Of course. <laughs> Greg the Hammer Valentine is correct. Oh, I have to give this to you, Matt. This is an audio podcast uh, no, it's a podcast so it's audio but audio format you are so good at being like the answer is and like because i just never know i would I, you'd be able to see it all over my face and you are incredible at that you should uh take over for drew carey for whatever show he's on or i can't price think of any right. other guys price, yeah, you should be a price is right guy you, you should be uh you know take steve harvey's job what were your uh, i'd love to see you in a suit like thoughts that. of who it might have been uh, I had no idea. Yes, I couldn't even. I couldn't even think of anything. Like the first one that came I, to my mind was the one man gang, slash mm. Akeem, or Butchery. Oh yeah, because those I are, was those trying are... to think of. Well, keep those in mind because I got some bonus questions. Oh my for gosh! You. <laughs> All I could think of was guys that I wish had lost more, and I just thought to Tonka, but I know that he didn't lose much. And see, then my thought <laughs> process also was okay. So I know Ric Flair lost at least nine times. Yeah, but like Greg is just former champ, you know. He's the Greg the Hammer Valentine is kind of like my favorite wrestler, Tomohiro Ishii. 
He's just gonna go in there and and fucking do the thing, but so he's gonna win question. half the time. Bonus bonus half the time. Cat. Bonus question for two points. How many losses did Valentine have? I have a number. Are we gonna just both give a number? Yes. Okay. Cat. My number is eleven. So I was thinking seventeen. Shane picks up the two points. Ooh. As the answer was twenty. Ooh. Oh wow, that's a nice. lot of losses. I mean, I guess we've lost a lot. Watched a lot of shows. But these are like individual pins, or like a tag team losses. A tag, tag, I would assume loss, as well. I mean, pin. we all know Greg Valentine tagged a lot. Yeah, especially on undercards of large shows. In and Survivor Series is mm-hmm. one more. Okay. Bonus question for you. Mm-hmm. Give me the rest of the top five. Oh shit! In losses. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> Black Scorpion. <laughs> if they have different characters, will they count as one? They all count as one. All right. I have no idea. Hang on. I was going to go with I the theme, more but it's go. not very nice. Or I guess one more to go if we're doing the top five. Actually, if you want to throw a sixth name on there, because I technically have six names. Because <laughs> I had a tie for fifth place. I'm trying to think people who just, like, stick around. So go ahead and read me your answers, Shane. I have... Mr. Tom Zink, the Z-Man. Oh, don't talk about him like that. I love him. I've got Brutus Beefcake. I kept the uh, Akeem one-man gang and Butch Reed. And then I threw Jake the Snake on there just for funsies. And Michael? I have Butch Reed, Bad News Brown, Terry Taylor, Bobby Eaton, and Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Sorry, Bobby. (laughs) Michael? Picks up one more point. <laughs> Shane gets no more points. Oh, oh really? Getting one for each. One for each name okay. that you're correct. So who was my one? Because it's not Brutus. I'll, I'll read them. Okay, read okay, you. okay. Sorry, so I got excited. Valentine had twenty losses. Yes. Tito Santana <gasps> had Tito. nineteen. Should have thought about Tito, yeah. which is a bummer. We love Tito. Strike Force forever. Hercules. And Arn Anderson both had 18 losses. Also Arn, very similar to my favorite wrestler, Tomohiro Ishii. Barbarian, exactly. and the one you got the point for, Terry Taylor. Oh, uh, that was the one I felt the most confident about, was Terry Taylor. Had 16 losses. It's crazy, all those big guys. You said Hercules and Barbarian. Fucking born to lose. Yep. Should, they should have... Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I didn't even think about those. Mm, guys, I guess, yeah. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. big guys. Yeah. yeah. Next week, Super J Cup First Stage, 1994. It's the uh, most passed around VHS tape of all time. I mean, I'm just making that up, but it's this is uh, this is huge, right? Be good, right? It, it is be. very huge. Like this is, uh, you know, this tape turned wrestling fans on to Japanese wrestling like tenfold. Yes. From all those accounts that I've heard, of course, I don't know. I didn't have this tape as a kid. I did not either. I've known about this show for a very long time. This is the first time I've watched it. I've seen like clips of stuff from it or whatever. I mean, but this is the first time I watched the whole thing and uh, my god. Music for this week's episode is WrestleMania, the instrumental version. By Mike Stock and Peter Waterman. And Heart Attack, because Bret Hart's our new champion. Fuck yeah. And that's by Jim Johnston. 
If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, receipts, we're headed to Tokyo, Japan next week, so if you have some some Mm -hmm. Japanese delicacy, Um, it would be great. I was trying to think of a Liger pun, because it's his tournament we're going to go into, but I couldn't think of a good food Liger pun. Sorry. Maybe next week I'll have it. I wonder if there's a a drink called Wild Pegasus. Oh, yeah. That's good. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. I bet it. That might be a good idea. It's just like coconut, (laughs) milk, and rum. And then you put glitter in it. (laughs) Is that what you think of when you think of Wild Pegasus? I don't know. I think it would be white. But you can send us any of those at our email, wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. Or on our Twitter at Wrestling HistoX. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week.